going the distance. In just a moment, I'll get into that with you, but for the next four or five weeks, we'll be focusing on that. I want to welcome all of you. Thank you for coming today. It's been an outstanding morning thus far. This is our third service of the morning. We are thankful for all that God did in the first two services. I'm so thankful you're here. Those of you who are joining us online, we welcome you this morning to our growing internet church family. God bless you. I want to ask ask you to join us in prayer. There are several people that um, are going through difficult hours, and I want to just mention them, and we'll remember them in prayer and lift them up today. David Cook and Yvonne, uh, David's mother, passed away this week. We're remembering their family. And Roy Green, uh, his brother, passed away in California uh, several days ago. We're remembering Jeannie Ducheman, Laura Zebart, and Robert Curtis as he um, recovers from surgery. Join me, would you, in a word of prayer for these precious friends. Thank you, Lord, that we can come and lift up brothers and sisters. We're thankful that in the body of Christ, when one suffers, we all suffer. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. And this morning, we stand in the gap with these who have had uh, earthly loss and yet heavenly gain. Thank you for ministering your peace to them. And now for these who stand in need of your healing touch, for Jeannie, for Laura, for Robert, we thank you, Lord, for touching them. We know there's many others that are in need, and we ask you, Lord, to minister to them. And now as we go to your word, we thank you that your word stands anointed. It's going to produce incredible harvest for those that open their heart to receive. You said that there'd be 30, 60, or even a hundredfold return on the word of God if our hearts are ready to receive it. So right now we prepare ourselves... And we ask you, Holy Spirit, would you come and speak to us truth that will help us to walk with you in power and great victory, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the, praise the name of the Lord. Tonight at 6 o'clock, you don't want to miss our evening service. Our study will continue on the most important part of your daily life. It's a study in worship. Pastor Murray will be leading our service tonight. And uh, we started last Sunday, and what it is, we're worshiping and uh, filling that in with the, with the scriptures as we go. It's a very uh, beautiful and wonderful atmosphere. Join us tonight for a wonderful time in the presence of the Lord at 6 o'clock. As soon as we finish with the preaching of the Word this morning, we'll be privileged to witness the baptism of a number of people who have made it their choice to follow the Lord and to declare so by being baptized in water. But this morning, we are starting our study on going the distance. I've discovered that part of going the distance is knowing what the instructions say for a successful and beautiful and glorious life. And sometimes people don't read the instructions and wonder why they get in trouble. It's important to read the instructions. You brought the instructions with you, right? You have a a Bible with you. You have a, a device in your pocket, something like that. But uh, I heard of this fellow that, that uh, had a difficult time. I want to tell you the story. He said he was in the shower and uh, washing his hair, and he had a, took a moment to read what it said on the bottle. He said, I'm in shock. The shampoo I use in the shower that runs down my entire body says these words, quote, for extra volume and body, close quote. <laughs> Seriously, 
Why haven't I noticed this before? Now I understand why I am so full-figured. It's about the shampoo. So tomorrow, he said, I'm going to start using a different kind. I'm going to use Dawn dish soap. You know why? It says right on the label, quote, dissolves fat that is otherwise difficult to remove, close quote. (laughs) Pay attention. Pay attention to read the labels. And today I want to remind you that That in just a few months, the Olympics will happen in Tokyo, Japan. They were supposed to happen in in, uh, June of 2020, but COVID realities hit and they had to be postponed 12 months. And so the Olympics will be held and people from 206 different nations will send representatives to Tokyo to compete against the very best athletes of those nations, all seeking to win one prize and to be recognized. And so, it is the major gathering of sports people in the, in, the, in the world, and it happens only every four years. And uh, some young people that are participating in that will train for 10 to 15 years to become qualified and capable in living and competing at that level and hopefully winning. Now, there's a great parallel to this and to walking in the Spirit's power every day, and I want to focus on that this morning. A lot of people live their lives and wonder, what am I here for? What is my purpose in life? Am I just to go through school forever? Am I supposed to get a job and just kind of go through life? I mean, like a rat on a wheel, just can every day the same thing? Or what is my ultimate reason for being here? This morning, I want to challenge you about going the distance with God and sensing what His plan and purpose is. If you're going to go the distance with God, I want to share three simple truths with you. First of all, we've been blessed, you and I, with limitless potential. You have been blessed with limitless potential. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul writes to believers and tells them these words. Verse 24, do you not know that in a race, all the runners race? or run rather, but only one gets the prize. Only one gets the prize. Now, what is he talking about? He's actually talking about the the victory of eternal salvation that every believer seeks. I hope you're a person that says, you know what, of all the things I'm looking to accomplish in life, that's what I want. I want to be in heaven with Jesus forever. Now, I want to remind you that nobody makes that choice God won't won't send you to heaven or to hell. You're the one who decides where you're going to spend eternity. That's why we have to accept responsibility for the way we live, the way we think, our appetites, our actions, and so forth. So he says, run in such a way as to get the prize. Live your life in such a way to win the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training, and they do it to get a crown that will not last. What does that mean? They're going to get flowers or a cash reward or maybe even a crown, and that doesn't last, as you and I understand. But we do it to get a crown that will last what? Forever. We want to live in such a way that we win the prize that lasts forever. In other words, if we're going to walk with God and go the distance, we've got to have a vision that compares with what God has for us. Do you understand what God wants to do in your life, in your family, in your, hi- in your house, in-, in your heart? I hope you do. Now, there's many words that could be, or many definitions of the word vision, but let me share one that I think is very special this morning. Vision. 
a clear mental picture of a better tomorrow given by God, which moves a person to believe that it not only can be done, but it must be done. Wow. What an amazing thing. I want to understand that God wants me to do, not just that it can be done, but that I must follow him. I want to follow him with all my heart. Back to the 15th century in Europe, it's stated by historians that it was the darkest era of time in Europe's history. And uh, some felt that there was no future for Europe. In fact, in 1492, the despair came to a, a, a level that was never before witnessed. And the Nuremberg Chronicle came out, written by a German writer that said these words, the end is here, there is nothing worth living for. Can you imagine? There is nothing worth living for. In the day we live, there's a lot of people that go, this world has gone crazy. You can't trust election results, you can't trust, you know, the, the outcome of, of, there's manipulation, there's all kinds of things going on. The dollar, the Chinese, and, you know, all of the stuff that people have on their mind, and people are, you know, maxed out with all of the information. Unless you're like our daughter, I asked her what she thought about certain items on the news. She said, Dad, I can't watch it anymore. It's just too negative, so I'm tuning out. Maybe you're like that kind of a, like our daughter, who says, I'm tired of the negative stuff. And maybe you can relate to what was going on in 1492. The author of the Nuremberg Chronicle left several pages at the end of the book and said these words. I want to give these extra pages so that you can fill in reasons why things do look so terrible as they are. Meanwhile, in 1492, a man sailed back into the harbor in Portugal. His name was Christopher Columbus, and he said, come and go with me. We're going to go discover the rest of the world. Up until then, people thought that at the end of what you could see, the world fell off. And now he came to the conclusion that there was land and people on the other side of the world. Aren't you thankful for men like Christopher Columbus who said, I'm not going to permit the problems I see today to define my future. I want to remind you that you and I can have a blessed and bright future if you put your heart in touch with God and walk with him. Stanford University a few years ago did an extensive study on this topic, a vision. They said 89% of what a person learns is visual, 10% is learned by hearing, and 1% is discovered by what you feel. So what do you see when you think of your potential? You go, don't push me today, I've, I've just come through some final exams, I'm tired of internet school room, I'm tired of, uh, you know, on and on, the, the job, I mean, restaurants closed, can't go, I mean, even... I was in Walmart on, on uh, <clears throat> Friday morning. People are fighting for toilet paper again in that place. Isn't that amazing? And, and you might be stressed out because of all of these circumstances. Let me tell you something. God will provide what you need. Don't panic. If you go with the distance and you follow God in his fullness, you must see God's perspective to your life. Do you see what he sees for you? No matter how young or old you are, God has a plan. I talked to some people after the early service. The average age in our early service is 70 plus years. 
And one, one fellow said to me, Pastor, he said, you rattled my cage this morning. I'm, I'm at that age where I just like to sit in a chair and watch TV or watch kids, watch birds. And you're telling me that God's got a purpose for me. Yes, he does. At whatever age you're at. I hope you and I will be listening carefully. Now notice the prize that Paul was talking about to the people of God speaks to the, the crown that will last forever. Being with Jesus forever is unlike anything that we've experienced on this earth. And we need to keep that ever in front of us, that that is the ultimate prize for walking with God and going the distance. Amen. Now, it's 1216. It's quiet in here. I'm the only one talking, and it would help me if you raise a hand, clap, shout a little bit, and let me know that you're still alive. Are you okay? All right. The second point I'd like to, and I only have three. The second point is that we must build our kingdom capacity. Build your kingdom capacity. If you're going to go the distance, you've got to have deep wells within you. Some say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I'm searching. I mean, when I was uh, 19 years of age, I, I thought I was going to go this way or that way. I had all kinds of dreams of what I wanted to do. I didn't have a clue. And maybe you can relate to that this morning and say, I'm just not sure what I'm supposed to, supposed to do ultimately. But let me give you some compass points for long-range objective. Our objective is to shape our lives after the image of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, notice what Paul writes again to believers. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is... Come on, help me. There is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. What does that mean, unveiled faces? That means we come into the Lord's presence with no guile, no hypocrisy. God sees through all of that. Oh God, if you'll bless me with this, then I'll do this for you. Are you serious? You're going to negotiate with the world's greatest giver? Don't negotiate with God. Just do what he wants you to do. We come with unveiled faces, and we contemplate his glory. We get our eyes off Facebook, off what the, what's happening around us, and we say, oh God, I want to contemplate your glory. Now notice what happens. As that happens, we are transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In other words, Paul is telling us that if you will spend time in God's presence... Worship him, honor him, read his word, there'll be change in your life. Change. Change for the good. Change that's positive. But I want to exa examine the original language and the, the, the verbiage that's there in the Greek. It, it reminds us that the change that comes is progressive. In other words, you say, I want to be like Jesus. Let, let it happen today. I want it to completely like you. No, no, it's progressive. It's going to happen little by little. You're going to, it's going to be just on and on like that. I was reading about Michelangelo. He's, how many statues did he, did he create in his life? Does anyone remember? If Bill Gallagher was here, we could ask him. He probably, he probably would know. 40, he, he started 44 sculptures, but he only finished 14 only finished 14, was still working, still working, even late into the last days of his life. 
that has really not much to do with the, with the sermon. But I want to just remind you that it has to do with progress. We have to keep pressing on. We are changed progressively and partially. There won't be full change until we see Jesus. He said, when we see Jesus, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And then it says, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself or herself. May God help us. So please note that there's at least two things we need to concern ourselves with regarding kingdom capacity, building ourselves. First of all, the first one would be freedom. You can't build yourself spiritually if you're bound. You're bound with habits. You're bound with attitudes. You have appetites that are out of control. And it's always somebody else's fault, what's going on. 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Jesus came to set people free from habits, from attitudes, from appetites. How many of you are thankful that he's still in the liberty business today? Praise God. You can't excel in relationships, in business, in school, or personal development without freedom. Sometimes people go, well, I'm so ashamed of my, you know, I've got things on my face or whatever. Join the club. I've got poor self-image. I've got fear of failure. I'm concerned what people think of me. The freedom that we are talking about is found in Christ alone. It doesn't matter what the other people think. It matters what he thinks. I'm living to please one. There's an audience of one. I'm an audience of one. I'm pleasing him. I'm seeking to honor him. And that freedom comes through Christ is first liberty from condemnation and slavery of sin. Galatians 5.1, Paul says it like this. For it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. Paul is reminding us that the devil's plan is to keep going after people that have made a decision to follow God and bring them back to a place with bondage of fear and loneliness and despair and hopelessness. We're not those people. Praise God. True freedom begins with the believer's union with Christ. Paul goes on in Ephesians 1, 7 and says it this way. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption. We've been freed. How did it happen? Through his blood. The forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches, with the riches of God's grace. You and I don't have any comprehension of the wealth and the abundance of God. We need to dwell upon that. The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. He is the most generous, the most abundant one in the world God is. Freedom is maintained by honoring the presence of the Holy Spirit. I have an inside coach inside of me, like you do, if you're a Christ follower. And what does he do? If you're listening, he'll say, don't go with this person. Don't date this person. Don't go to this school. Don't go in business with these people. Go over here. Do this. He'll tell you what to do. He'll tell you how to provide for yourself. He'll tell you how to provide for your family. He'll tell you all the secrets you need to know if you listen and ask him. He came for freedom. But the second area of kingdom uh, uh, depth that we need to think about is fidelity. 
fidelity. He came for freedom, but we also, there must be a human part, and that's the fidelity factor. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, he said, we all with unveiled faces, we're contemplating the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The freedom that Jesus has brought to us is not license for us to go, you know what, I think I'm going to go um, load up, you know, with, with, uh, with some uh, artificial stimulant to try and fill my life with joy. It's not freedom to do what, what we know is, is improper. It's freedom to love him and serve him. Praise God, it's freedom to follow him fully as we should. This would be a good moment for those of you who were quiet earlier to go, Praise God. That's good preaching. Five of you on this side were excited. How about this side? How are you excited? Are you excited? You believe that's true? All right. All right. In verse 18, Paul instructs us that as we experience the glory of God, his nearness, his power, and his presence, his wonderful presence will change us. That's what we want. In close to 50 years of ministry, we've been to a lot of people's homes. They've invited us for dinner. I won't go unless you invite me, but if you invite me, we, we come, you know. But uh, sometimes people have on their refrigerator a picture. And you'll say, uh, hey, what is the picture all about? It'll be the picture of a big house or, or a fancy car or a boat or something like that. And I go, what is that all about? Well, that's what our goal is. You know, see, you see that picture? That's, that, that's what we're aiming for. We want that to, to be our, our experience. And all of that is, you know, you have a desire, you have a plan. People need to have a plan. But you're going to be drawn to whatever you behold. You spend time looking at whatever things are important to you. Let me just propose to you that the fidelity that God wants you to have with him is to focus on him and let Jesus be your main focus. Let him be your goal. Let him be your purpose in life. And the people said, amen. So if you're going to go the distance, thirdly and finally, you're happy about the finally, we must overcome resistance. We must be able to overcome resistance. Now, some dream that a person is going to come alongside of them, and that person will be Sir Galahad and go all through all of the forces of, of bondage that want to hold me back, and, and we will arrive to our, and, and so it's somebody's going to help me. It's never my responsibility to walk with God carefully, but it's somebody else has got to come along and help me. Now, you and I are capable of much more than any of us have ever dreamed. Did you hear me? Bonnie and I eat apples every day, and... Um, and for the last two days, I've been taking apple seeds out of the core of the apples when I've cut them. Um, we eat apples. Um, Bonnie's grandfather used to eat an apple a day and an onion every day. I don't recommend the second part of that, because, but that's what he did. Apple seeds. Now, if I take one of these seeds and plant it in your yard or my yard, in, in all, in all uh, um, truth, there will be in time what will happen. Somebody help me. I'm going to have an apple tree. And what's going to happen in time off that apple tree? There's going to be more apples. And so the apples that will come will be as a result of someone planting a seed and watering and taking care of it. But actually, this is not just, this is not just, for, this is not just some apples that I'm talking about. I'm talking about an apple orchard. I'm talking about orchards that can feed thousands and thousands of people. One seed. I hope you see what a, what a life yielded to the Lord 
can, can be in its bottom line regarding the probability and the possibility that exists. So there's four areas of resistance that would seek to hinder your potential and mine. I want to just quickly touch on those. First of all, the mind. You say, I can't do that. There's no way I could, you know, go out of the, outside of my realm of, of, of comfort and make a difference or seek to, seek to apply for that kind of a job or seek to, seek to advance myself or seek to go tell somebody about the goodness of the Lord. Notice 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the tearing down of strongholds. Casting down what? Imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What does that mean? That means that in your mind, there's going to be thoughts that come occasionally that are negative, critical, hopeless, frustrating thoughts. You're going to go bankrupt. There's no way that you can afford to extend yourself and, and trust God for a house put a down payment on a house. There's no, there's no way. In this economy for you to try and buy a car, in this economy for you to do this or that, and, and the devil will come with all kinds of stuff and hopeless thoughts. Now notice, when you have a negative thought that comes and says, you know, we could be living on the street just like those people. I was studying the word yesterday morning and God said, don't ever make light of people that are, that are hurting. Be very careful because God's watching them. So we in this church believe that we need to model compassion, and that's what we do. But notice, the devil will come with a thought that's negative, and you go, well, what am I going to do with this? I'll never have enough. Okay, does that word line up with the word of God? Does that thought line up with the word of God? No. God said that he's going to bless the people that follow his instructions. He's going to bless and prosper people that follow his ways. So when a thought comes like that, I go, whoa, just a minute, thought. Who do you think you are invading this area that's designed for the glory of God? Who do you think you are coming in here with that negativity? I bind you and I take you and hold you up to the word. And the word says that is not so. The word says that God's going to bless me and prosper me. So take that thought and hit the road, Jack. Amen. I don't like that when preachers hit the road like that. Well, send me an email and tell me what you really think, and I'll, Pastor Murray will handle it all. Anyway, <laughs> praise the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Paul writes to the young preacher and says, For God has not given us a spirit of, help me now, fear, but a power and love and a sound. You know what the word sound means? It means delivered. A mind that's been delivered from fear and frustration. A mind that says, hallelujah, the one who lives with me is greater. First John 4, 4, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That's what I'm focusing on, and that's what's going to fill my mind, is the promise and the possibility of what God's going to do. The second, the second resistance is the body. You know, at 4.30 in the morning this morning, I was out. I mean, I was comatose, and the alarm went off. And I did, the first thing out of my mind was not hallelujah. I was actually having a dream. I was having a dream that I was with a, a ministry colleague from another region of the world, and we were in an office, and, and we were getting ready to leave the office. I'm having this dream at 4.30 this morning. 
and the door is open and there's a lot of people moving out the door and I felt like somebody was, was um, rubbing me on my hip, scratching on the hip, you know, and I'm going, why are, why are these people rubbing? Is there someone trying to steal my wallet or something like that? And I'm, I'm thinking about that and I realized that it was Bonnie saying it's 4.30, the alarm is going, don't you hear it? Anyway, you got your problems and uh, other people have their problems. Praise the Lord. Sometimes I don't hear the alarm as well as I'd like. Praise God. It's way too much information I know. A third, a third thing that we have to fight is the world. The world wants you to be its servant, that you would worship at the feet of all of the devices and all of the things that can be offered to you. You can walk in your house and say a word to a box and the TV comes on. You know, you can say another word and the Browns come on TV. You can watch the Brownies win today. Praise God. Hope that happens. Um, there's 400 plus channels waiting for you to watch them without interruption, without commercial break. You have Facebook and Twitter and hopefully Parler and some of the others if they get back and so forth. Maybe. What a world we live in. And the world promises freedom and fulfillment, but you know what? It never delivers because it can't deliver. There's only one who brings freedom. That's why John says in 1 John 2, in verse 15, do not love the world or anything in the world if anyone loves the world. In other words, if that's your first love, everything that's the gold, the glitter that's around us, the love for the Father is not in them. And all these things, he said, are passing away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. I see there's contrast. And there's something I need to do to keep myself in love with Jesus every day. Finally, I, there is a foe that we have, and his, his name is the devil, Satan. You, have an, you and I have an enemy that wants to resist the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life. He wants to ultimately steal your potential and leave you in a position of brokenness. You don't have to have that. You have to be alert to this adversary. The Bible says we resist him. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. I want to remind you the power of the blood of Jesus and what you say in accordance with what God has won in that victory. They overcame him. The people of God overcame the devil by what the blood did for them and what they said of Jesus' sacrifice and victory. This morning, I want to just remind you that if you and I will go the distance, we have to focus on those realities. That I need vision to see what God sees for me. I know that he and I can make it. I need to understand that kingdom capacity must be built. I must open my heart and say, Lord, I want more of your presence in my life. I want more of your touch on my life. And I want to be able to see myself as an overcomer every day instead of a victim. And may God help us walk closely with Jesus. Stand with me, would you please, in the closing moments of our time. Now, Father, I want to thank you that you've made it possible for every one of us to walk out of bondage, to walk out of every plan and strategy of the power of darkness, to walk into every 
kingdom possibility that you have for us. We humble ourselves this morning in your mighty presence, O God, and we ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to be mindful of what it is you want to do with us. May we refuse to follow distractions or be diverted in our attention. May we keep the main thing the main thing. May we focus on the crown, the prize that is to be won. Because one day very soon, the trumpet's going to sound, the eastern sky will split open, and the king of kings, praise God, is coming to get his own. I want to be part of that group that goes up to meet you in the air. Nothing else, nothing else is worth it. I ask you, Lord, to help us. While our heads are bowed this morning, you've come to this house of worship and You may not be sure what it is where you stand with God. You just would like to say, you know what? I I want to go with Jesus. I want to be in that group that goes to heaven. And today, as I stand in his presence, I'm not ready. There's things that are not right in my life. And I want Jesus to bring his freedom into my experience. I want Christ to wash me of my sin. I want to be part of that group that's going to heaven. All over this place, you just raise your hand so I can say, I want to pray for you in a moment. Yes, 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 yes. Over here to my right. Others on this side, five or six hands that I've seen that have gone up so far. Could I just agree with you right now? Could we just pray a simple prayer today? You know, the, the... the, the Bible makes it clear that Jesus is listening for our, our words. He's listening for our voice. And if we'll do what the Word of God says, He will honor that and release faith. Have faith that your faith being released will release His power in your heart and life. So as we, you know, the Bible tells us in Romans 10, 9, and 10, it says, If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. We thank you, Jesus, for your promise. We're going to make a simple prayer. We're going to say this to Jesus. He's listening. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross. I believe you, 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 you have paid the price for my forgiveness of sin. I believe you're alive today. And I ask you to come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. And from this moment, I'm going to walk with you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. Now, on the authority of God's Word, these five or six people that lifted their hands, and there may have been more, the Bible says in heaven, when one person decides to make Jesus the Lord of their life, all of heaven rejoices. Will you join me in celebrating with these that have made a decision?